This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 319. And the quote of the day is from Les Brown, who said, Don't let the good times go to your head, and don't let the bad times go to your heart. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. And I am fresh back from LA. I had some some really cool meetings down there and had this conversation with the guest today, Matt Musty. And Matt is known for specifically for his work with Grace Potter. And this conversation that we have is really cool. We talk about of course, we talk about drumming, but we also talk about life principles, how to deal with some of the ups and downs and the roller coaster of being a freelance musician, uh, how you deal with the good times, how you deal with the bad times. Also, some practical advice about you know working with people, being on time, a lot of the stuff that that we talk about. But there's a lot of life lessons. There's a lot of nuggets in here that that Matt and I talk about, and we get we get pretty deep into it. So a, a great conversation. Plus, the man bought me coffee. The man bought me an Americano uh, when I, and sent me a text and said, hey, I know that you're coming over here. I'm going to go to the coffee shop and grab you an Americano. To me, that's how you win your way to my heart, man. So, Matt, thank you. And uh, if anyone else wants to buy me a coffee, I'm all about that. Uh, one thing I want to let you know about buying stuff, uh, Casio Music can save you 25% on any order over $149. And all you have to do is go to Casio Music, C-A-S-C-I-O music.com, and you can use the promo code POD25. That's P-O-D-25. That's going to save you 25%. You can also call them. I'm not going to give you the number now because you're not going to remember it, but go to Casio music.com, find out what you want, and you can call them. They can help you pick out the right instrument for you at the right price, and then you can save 25% by using the promo code P-O-D-25. Two five. That's CasioMusic.com. C-A-S-C-I-O Music.com. Check them out and find out why they've been in business for over 70 years. You won't be let down. Check them out. CasioMusic.com. Now, let's get into it with the one and only Matt Musty. So this is cool. We're chilling in LA. Um, yeah. And you and I, I, I reached out to you and I'm you know, you asked me how I found you. I don't really, I don't necessarily remember yeah, I can't how. Imagine I'm how like, you found me. I'm, I'm like, like, I like drummers and yeah. Ah, I think I. You know where I found you? Jam card. Jam card. Elmo's shout out to Elmo. Elmo's baby. Yeah, that's where I found you. Yeah, he's yeah. the best man. And I was going through. This is how it happened. I was going through, and I was like, oh, Grace Potter. I was like, I love Grace Potter. <laughs> and I was like, we should, we should. Rap. Everyone loves Grace Potter. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I'm so glad you reached out because me too. I don't generally do stuff like this. I mean, you know, this is great. Well, now's the this beginning. Makes me feel very important right now. Well, you are very important. Hi, this mom. Is... <laughs> so, so talk, tell me about this. So I don't. So I've been listening to Grace Potter and Nocturnals for years, right? Mm-hmm. So what? So that is a band, right? And then Grace Potter has her own thing. Yeah. So How does that work? So I wasn't even part of this equation but apparently she so her last record was this record midnight that kind of uh went in a different direction it was this pop record and she killed it she hooked up with eric valentine as a producer and he was just 
he's just this monster for he did queens of the stone age third eye blind smash mouth all these amazing nickel creek a couple of nickel creek records which mm-hmm. are my favorite thing that he's ever done i mean he's amazing and uh so she kind of went a different direction with this and you know i think she she just wanted to maybe figure out a different voice for herself i think she had a lot to say um and and uh so that record came out and i think somewhere in the process the the nocturnals and her kind of split ways. They okay. started at, yeah, and uh, and she um, she ended up doing just a Grace Potter record and a Grace Potter subsequent tour. And uh, the story of me playing drums for her is that I was in this opening band, this guy Raylan Baxter, who's an amazing singer-songwriter from Nashville. Um, and I had just recently moved to Nashville, so I really quickly started playing with Rayland and opening these shows for Grace. All of a sudden, her drummer left and I was it was just a right place right time kind of thing she was like do you want to fill in for a couple of weeks you know play the nice. opener and the and the headliner every night and I was like yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. hell yeah you're yes absolutely Grace Potter yeah. no yeah. problem right and uh so we I did the encore that first night and I was like I learned the four songs while they were playing their set and just kind of was reading on stage and then had two off days in Nashville to learn like, you know, 35, 40 songs. So what happened to the drummer? Uh, he ended up leaving. Um, he, like mid-tour? They, they had kind of been growing apart. That was her husband, Matt oh. Burr, who's an, a great guy, and he actually was the one who referred me. He was like, I, I don't know, talk to Musty, he'd be great. But and when you, so you were did. saying they were, when they were the head, you were playing with the head, or with the opening band. Yeah. But was the, I mean, were you guys on the road? We were on the road. Um, and then he just rolled? That's what I'm saying. Like, did you? Was it like, hey, can you play tonight and tomorrow and the next day on this tour? Or was yeah, it like, it hey, was, we're going out it and was, like? It was up in the air. I don't think anyone really knew what happened, what was going to happen. You okay. know, so that just happened out of nowhere in St. Louis one night, and and I was there, and the production manager pulled me aside and was like, hey, can you can you do the encore tonight? Uh, Grace wants to see about you, and so I ended up doing three or four songs and. Uh, and Grace says I played them too fast, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, it went well. I filled in for two weeks under the assumption that they were going to get the actual whatever guy was going to be their drummer at the end of those two weeks. Right. right now, they were just doing damage control. They needed someone to fill in. And I was that guy. And at the end of that run, um, Grace pulled me aside and was like, hey, so this is working out uh, on and off stage. So why don't you... You know, if it's okay with you, I'd love to have you on, for real. And great. So it was just, I, I guess it started out as dumb luck, and then ended up being this thing. And she's right. she's become an amazing friend and a and a real kind of figure for me, especially mm-hmm. being in LA. I, I just moved to LA about a year ago, and uh, she's <laughs> she's truly one of my closest friends and a great human. Does being. she live here? She's here. She's yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. So. That's a uh, that's a really short version of and it, how I mean, that happened. Like when you, I mean, sure, right place, right time. But mm-hmm. if you got behind the kid and weren't prepared, you know, or yeah, you I, I think if you didn't like put the work in five, ten, fifteen years before yeah. of playing and practicing and yeah, you know, you know that's grooving a, and all that. That's a thing. I think I heard. Um, I was doing this festival in St. Barts one time, and I, I heard this guy David Bryan say he's he's from uh, Bon Jovi's band. He's like oh, okay. a longtime keyboardist. 
from that band. And he did some Broadway stuff for a while. I think he won a Tony. Um, he's like this dude. And he happened to be on his honeymoon while I was playing out there. And I overheard him saying, you got to work hard to get lucky. And, I love that. And I think that's probably a cliche statement. I don't think, I, I boy, mean, it, it's it, true. It really ended up being a, a reality for me because I had done the freelance thing in Brooklyn for mm. years and I, I, I was then, you know, coming off of a divorce and a big life change, ending up in Nashville, all of a sudden on this opening run and like really quickly, just at right place, right time. After all those years of yeah. like, how am I gonna do this? You know, I'm really trying to work on my craft and just get as good as I can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And like sleeping with a metronome at night. Right. Like, that's a true story, you know? Like this, really? This, yeah. Tell me about that. Just to do that. Um, it just, if I had a session the next day, I would freak myself out and be like, you know, musicians, insecure. Yeah, yeah. You're always wondering why you're, why you're even in the room, mm -hmm. you know? Especially drummers, because, you know. Yeah. The stigma of like you're the dopey drummer in the corner who doesn't know what music is and yeah. just hits stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, always wanted to be part of the conversation and make sure I was keeping up. And you know, obviously tempo and a metronome is a part of that equation. So what'd you do? Like put headphones on? And I listen? would put headphones on and listen, listen to a click track at whatever tempo for 138 that night. You know, or whatever, whatever the night was. Really? Yeah, it was a weird. Uh, do you think it helped? I don't know. Probably well, not. Well, because I know that they say if you, you know, if you listen to your college notes or mm -hmm. you listen to someone speaking in a different language, it helps sort of reinforce, yeah, you know, reinforce the lessons or reinforce the things that you're learning and make them more internal, you know, because because your brain doesn't have to really do anything. While you're yeah. while you're sleeping, you're not thinking about other things, and or you're not in. you're not you know running or walking, and you're, you know, right. it's just sort of you're at rest, and your brain can sort of. Yeah, I wonder about that. I mean, I don't know. It, it, I think it was just, I think it just came out of total insecurity. Like, yeah. I don't know how I'm on any session and getting paid any amount of money to play the drums. So <laughs> I'm just happy to be here and I better not suck, you know? Yeah. I think that's that's still my thinking, you know? I think it always will be. And that's I, a hard thing to shake. It's funny that you say that because yesterday I left, I left, I was in a meeting yesterday with, and this is total like, douchey Hollywood thing to say but like <laughs> some really like heavy hitter like powerhouse dudes in this meeting yeah and then me and I'm like and as I was driving home I was like how the hell did I get like how did I get into this meeting like yeah. who let me in here right you know what I mean like who didn't do a good job and uh, who right. and like but you shouldn't think like that and, and Allison and, my girlfriend is, has been a good force of like you know what she says this thing I forget exactly the wording but she's like you know they're lucky to have you in the room, you know? And that's like... I like that. Whether she's lying or not, yeah. you know, it helps on my way out that on whatever day. Yeah. It helps me to, to you know, walk in with a certain amount of confidence because mm -hmm. I, I have a certain amount of confidence and some sort of practice and some sort of background. Right. And maybe something to bring to the table on whatever session or tour or gig mm -hmm. or writing session or whatever it is. I think we all have a voice and something to say. Yeah. And I, I think it's common for us all to think, you know, yeah. I don't belong here. I don't, you know, yeah. I shouldn't be here. I, I'm not yeah. good enough. Everybody else is better than me. Why are they calling me? Yeah. Like, I think that's natural. For, I think everyone feels that. Yeah. And I and uh, mentioning that the meeting, I remember being in another meeting where it wasn't as big of a meeting, you know, and I was thinking it then. And I was yeah. like, the reason, the reason why I'm at this meeting is because I was at that other one. And I was at the other one before that. And I was at the other one before that. And it's all like... 
it steps and and I oh, think yeah. we as humans don't see the progressions that we're making. We're just looking at it today and you're yeah. like you're like I don't I don't I'm still the idiot that I was yeah. 20 years ago and right. you know I don't but know. But it's anything. important to look at where you're at, you know, in that meeting say versus 5 years ago or 10 years ago. Right. You had no idea you were going to be doing this and to celebrate that moment in a way, make sure you get through it and you enjoy yeah. it. But uh, to 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 celebrate that landmark yeah, I would say is a is a is a big thing and something I forget to do a lot of the time. Do you know um, the movie, <laughs> The Pursuit of Happiness? You ever see that with? Oh, I've seen that. I saw that on an airplane. So it's with this guy Chris Gardner, and he's yeah. you know he was homeless and all this stuff, and 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 makes it. Uh, he starts his own firm, becomes an investor, makes a ton of money, whatever. Yeah. But his whole thing is, you know, how did I get here? And he's like, you drove here. <laughs> you drove here. You know, it's like yeah. whatever. What good, bad, whatever. He's like, you drove here. So, the, you, you know, like the reason why you're playing with Grace Potter <laughs> is like, you drove there. You know, it's like yeah. you, sure, like right place, right time. Yes. Yeah. But like ill prepared. Guess what? You and I are not having this conversation sitting here talking about you playing with Grace Potter. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. And it's like, funny to see, to, to think about that too. And that the, just the order of events that led up to that. It's so funny. It's so, there's like... Do you turn right or do you turn left? Mm -hmm. Do you take this door or that door? Do you take the blue pill or do you take the red pill? And there's, so if I trace that gig back far enough, I mean, it it goes back to when I was living in Brooklyn on some different sessions doing records with different guys. There's no way this guy, Nick Bockrath, he plays mm -hmm. in, he's a guitarist for Cage the Elephant and he's a great dear friend of mine and, and he's the one who vouched for the Rayland gig and I did wouldn't know him if I didn't, live in new york yeah you know 10 years ago almost mm -hmm. and it's so funny how those things lead they, into one another they and just they, you they can trace them back so far and uh you know it's 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 the right connections but it's also the right people who have got your back and mm -hmm. finding that to be more and more important the way in in this crazy industry 100 percent. you know I, i've never gotten a great gig from something other than word of mouth and i think that probably has I think people for, from decades ago pre-internet pre-information age probably saying the same thing yeah in any industry not just the music industry real estate industry I'm sure it's who you you know who you know and who's giving a hard vouch for you yep as a person first and foremost and then as a player yep pretty much right after that there's uh I was talking to you know Steve Bowman played on the first Counting Crows record. Oh, cool! No, I don't know him, but he's, amazing. I'm a fan like, of his for sure. <laughs> one of my favorite drummers, yeah. and uh, and you know he said you're you're more likely to get a gig at a barbecue, yeah, than, any, than being than like having <laughs> the best chops or having yeah. being the best drummer in town. You know, it's yeah. like relationships, man. And we, totally. you know, and we've talked about this numerous times on the podcast, but it's like it's just reinforcing because you're like you said tracing it back. It's like it's because. 15 years ago you met someone or yeah. 10 years ago or whatever it was and you weren't a dick and you could play <laughs> yeah and you know and it's like oh and you weren't thinking oh maybe you were but i don't think you were like oh i wonder where this relationship no, is going yeah lead. of you know? course you're just trying to do your best that day and that's right. all you can do but you know i guarantee when i met nick who who was the the, the person that led me to the Raylan gig which led to grace i guarantee when i met him i was short on sleep i had worked you know, I, I used to work at this restaurant on the Upper West Side. I got up at 3.30 because I was living in South Brooklyn. And I got up at 3.30 and would clock in by 6. And, like, I'm sure I wasn't at my full capacity. But 
you know, maybe my playing, maybe my personality, maybe none of that. Maybe he just happened to put in, think of a guy who was living years down the road, living in Nashville and would be good for this gig. Right. You know, hopefully I did my best that day and that's what led to this. Mm -hmm. But you want, you, you have to because you never know who's, who's on the session or at the barbecue. Yep. <laughs> or, uh, you know, who's listening in. 100%. So funny. So tell me a little bit about your background. So you're from New England. Yeah, from We're New not going to talk football. Um, no. We're not going to talk Eagles and Patriots. I don't know much about football, but I think it's just I happen to be a Patriots fan because it was just built in. Yeah, yeah it's like I, being from Philly and being an Eagles fan. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm I, like, yeah, we can fist fight later. And yeah, we'll do that. We'll yell and yeah, scream. That's and, both of our natures just as a New England <laughs> fan and as a Phillies fan. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I, I, I grew up on a farm in New Hampshire. You know, waking up early, doing the milking cows and doing the whole thing. My parents were landscapers um, by trade and musicians by hobby. And uh, really, no joke, musicians, they, were, they are great. My mom was, uh, is a church organist of about 40-plus years. Um, that's how my brother and I learned how to read music, was nice. turning her pages at church oh. yeah and you had to know where you were at had to learn you know at least the the arc of the notes and mm -hmm. where they were headed and so i'd say that's that's how we both learned to read music which eventually led to piano lessons right and my dad's a kind of jazz blues guitarist um you know and he he still you know it, it plays probably three days a week really <laughs> he's a busy nice. dude yeah nice yeah you're like man so, you're getting more gigs than yeah, I totally totally <laughs> i'm like dad you got it happening man um but he went to berkeley in the 70s the early 70s uh which oh, so was, they're, yeah they're both yeah real deal musicians yeah, yeah. and and both total opposite mm -hmm. you know so they i was always like why don't you guys jam together sometime you know what right. you guys should collaborate we should have a family band you know at eight years old i was thinking this would be the greatest yeah the what's greatest your brother thing your brother plays too my brother played took piano lessons forever um plays a bit of guitar he's a very musical dude but he's a mathematician he he ended up bailing on the music thing but he he ended up being a huge influence early influence to me yeah my parents weren't weren't pushing any records on me aside from my dad maybe maybe the stevie ray vaughn austin city limits right. and uh some fleetwood mac but um truly my brother was was the biggest influence of that time and we were listening to 90s rock <laughs> we were listening to uh you know third eye blind and yeah, yeah. smash mouth which yep. is funny uh, like a full circle moment for working with eric uh which i've been doing a lot lately you know he's he's responsible for those records and he's a genius but yeah, I mean, my my dad my dad went a couple of years at Berkeley, and then he uh, ended up taking a, a year off, backpacking Europe, and uh, coming home and and doing a plant science major. And he and my mom, who had grown up together in that same town, wow, uh, reconnected and kind of finished their degrees together and started a landscaping business in Vermont, right across the river. Nice. So yeah, you should see my town. I mean, it's it's a five town of 500 people and my whole family lives on this one street river road in Piermont, new hampshire like there's a lot of family that right there small town yeah man yeah so how how did you go from there to new york to nashville to la you know i ended up going to berkeley mm -hmm. my my dad i kind of I got this book by Livingston Taylor early on, and it's called Stage Performance, and I always wanted to take that class, and I'm pretty sure that's the sole reason why I went to Berkeley. Um, and um, 
Was any of it because your dad went to Berkeley? I would say so. He took me on a tour, and that's where I got the book, and I got kind of obsessed with Boston because to me, that living in New Hampshire and never really seeing a city, Mm -hmm. just going to Boston was a huge deal. Yeah, you know, I lived in the cornfields in the woods Mm -hmm. in New England, and and uh, man, going to Boston was a huge deal for me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. So I really just kind of went for it. Ended up you didn't have to worry about the cold because it was already cold no, where you live. It's colder where I live. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a piece of cake. Um, but yeah, I went to Berkeley, graduated, ended up moving out here actually right after Berkeley for about six months, uh, and then started pursuing an artist um, in New York, just who I had met at school, and I went, ended up moving to Brooklyn for the next four years. Um, big life changes and then happened to find myself in Nashville for um, you know a couple years and really as soon as I hit Nashville hit the ground running with Rayland and right and got the Grace gig mm-hmm. eventually yeah and that's what led me here I started dating Grace's assistant <laughs> Allison now you're like I mean, now my I gotta God, move. you talk now about get... doors you know taking the, the blue pill or the red pill yeah man ended up uh, dating Allison really uh, undercover Mm-hmm. in the band and the the one the the uh, grace's backup singer eliza hardy jones uh she's an amazing person but she knew she was the first to know about us and she um how'd she find out she would do this thing and, and for those listening on radio i'm pointing to my eyes and pointing to you know someone else's eyes she would go i own you i own <laughs> you and she would make us get her coffee and all this stuff because she knew something that everyone she had totally blackmailed us <laughs> how did she find out oh i think i think she oh god i think she found allison rolling out of my bunk one night on the uh, bus like late night when she was trying to go to the bathroom or get a water or something we're on yikes. yeah and then i'm guessing you know you're thinking man if i can get fired for this or what? yeah oh yeah eventually yeah eventually grace found out i was actually overseas doing a record in europe and uh the, in france uh loire valley loire valley france and uh i was on a ferry over there did pre-production in dublin and i was on a ferry over to france and i get this text from grace because allison and grace were hanging out here in la i get this text from grace she goes hey i found out you're fired <laughs> And I knew, you know, from any other boss, that would be a big bummer and I'd be so scared. But I knew as soon as I got that text, all was well. Oh, you knew she was kidding? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's Grace. I mean, she's, she's a big goofball. Right. You know? And if it was a serious conversation, I would have gotten a phone call. And, right. Yeah. How does it work on the... What's the dynamic on the road, though? Are you uh, guys just like... Is it... There's... I've never experienced a more special and close group of people no i mean with allison is it like oh with is allison. it tough sort of like because it's first of all it's it's, it's tough being in a relationship yeah. it's tough being on the road i feel with people. like on any other tour it would be very hard and very right. hard to keep but this was such a family that it was like immediately everyone was like open arms unbelievable this is this is so great we're right. gonna we're gonna mark this occasion like let's let's go celebrate you know it, it, it came up in the 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 most hilarious way we were at a festival i think in little rock like a, the opening night of a, the tour when grace had found out we were doing this thing we had maybe a two or three week run and um and then we were in a transport from one end of the festival to the other and we had gotten done playing grace knew eliza knew but we were going to tell the band that night on the bus maybe when we got back mm-hmm. we get in this transport and Allison's the last one in, and there's not a seat for her. She jumps in my lap facing me, 
and everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, Allison's, <laughs> Allison's <laughs> jumping to Musty's lap. And for some reason, organically, the band just starts chanting, make out, make out, make out, <laughs> just joking, you know, half jokingly. Right. Uh, and then Allison and I were like, well, we were going to tell them later, later tonight. Right. Let's, let's start making out. <laughs> we start making out and everyone goes, oh, and we we're like, you know, this is, this is great because right. we had something to tell you tonight anyway. Right. So, uh, listen, we're together. So deal with it. <laughs> nice. And, uh, that was one of many really memorable moments out on the road with that crew. Um, that's an amazing and I group wonder, of people. I wonder if they're thinking, like, as you say, we're like, oh, yeah, we're together. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure you are. Yeah, or yeah, whatever. totally. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those funny things where, you know, like one person of the band was like, oh, I knew that I had a feeling the whole time. And another person in the band was just like, I had no idea. I can't believe this. This is, un- <laughs> this is blowing my mind right now. You're like, how did you not see it? So yeah. I'm sure there's all these times on the road when you're like, oh my God, I know, I'm sure I know that yeah. this person, somebody knows, I'm sure that they know. So that, that eventually led to me living here in LA. And we got off the road last October um, and I immediately packed up my stuff. I hadn't spent too much time in Nashville anyway. I love right. my friends in Nashville and it was a wonderful place for me to be when I was off the road, but I was basically on the road the whole time. Really? And in one capacity or another. Mm-hmm. And I it was easiest decision in the world to pack up my drums in a suitcase in the old Subaru and there you go head out to LA why not you mean not? the blue Cadillac yeah yeah <laughs> sorry yeah for the listeners out there I'm very successful I have multiple Cadillacs <laughs> yeah, many very multiple uh leather bound books yeah um several Teslas with doors that go like this the goal yeah the gold wing doors <laughs> uh so I should you know fill everybody in I pulled up out front and I said and I said I'm out in front of your place and I said, are you, are you, is this your Cadillac, man? I said, this thing is pimp. And you said, no, but I do have a Subaru, which is equally as impressive. <laughs> but I do have a dirty Subaru. Yeah. yeah. I th- they're pretty much the same. They're interchangeable. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Is that a Subaru? No, it's a Cadillac. Yeah. That's Thank a you. standard issue from where I'm from, man. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to deal with some serious winters up yes, there. Yes, you do. You got you need a Subaru. Yeah. These, or, uh, or bigger. These West Coast kids don't get it. They don't get it. You know? Yep. <laughs> You know, where I am now, it's like we're sort of on that line where if By you the go, way, are you, the fires, are they close to you? Are you okay? We're, we're good. We're oh God. about an hour and a half uh, south of smoke. Like we could smell the smoke. You can wow. see, like it's hazy. And the other day there was a fire about five miles from my house. They were flying this big plane over and yeah. putting out the fire and everything, oh, which is pretty intense. Like I'm not used to that from the yeah. East Coast, uh, but we're good. We're good. Yeah. We, I texted uh, with, um, with Grace's monitor guy. Uh, last week and he was like yeah it's like five miles east and seven miles north of me right now if the wind changes my car's packed and I'm out of here yeah yeah I just that's such an intense text message to get and it's you know especially like I think people there are they're like oh yeah it's fire season you know and then but then I talked to my neighbor and I said you know I said we're right now because of this fire the other day uh, nowhere near as as big as what's up there. I mean, this was like an yeah. 80 acre. It spread to like a hundred, which apparently isn't that big because the other, the other one's well, compared 40, to the, the other, other 45,000. Yeah. So, uh, but that's still, that's such a chunk of land and it's so close. Yeah. It's, so it was a few miles away be, and, and I was like, scared. and I said, so what's the deal, man? Like, are, are you packing it? And he's like, oh, he's like, we always have a go bag. Whoa. He's like, we just have it in our garage. And if we got to go, he's like, we just, we roll. So that's just the scoop out just, here. I mean, you're new to California yeah, too, Yeah, I know. Right? I did. I'm, I'm newer than you. you uh, yeah. Know? 
So I'm like, that's... I've been here a year, and apparently that's... That's the deal. That's the deal. Yeah. So I'm like... Okay. It's pretty intense. So I told my wife, I'm like, we should pack a go bag and have it ready to go. Which so. is like, sounds almost like yeah. apocalyptic a little bit. Yeah, I but can't you're believe like, we're talking about drum stuff right now. Or, or you know, <laughs> me being unprofessional on tour. <laughs> my God, there's fires going on. There's towns being flattened. That's it's crazy. so intense. That's so scary. So it's all, yeah, it's all new to me, but... Yeah, uh me too. I don't know. I just, you know, I hope everybody makes yeah. it out okay. And I mean, not Truly. everyone made it, obviously, but like, yeah. you know, people rebuild and... It's the cool thing about, not the, I don't want to, let me rephrase that. It's not the cool thing, but the amazing thing to me is when things happen, how people pull together. Yeah. You know, whether it be fires, whether it be earthquakes, whether it be the, you know, the stuff in Vegas, like people just pull together. I think that's amazing because I think, you know, by and large, people are good people. Yeah. Were you, you in know? New York for Sandy? Uh, yeah. I was too. Yeah. That yeah, was intense. In Brooklyn. Yep. Yeah. And we got like, we got all, Hoboken was all flooded and everything. It yeah. was pretty bad. I know a yeah. lot of places on the shore. I, I worked with an artist named Jake Clemens. He, he plays saxophone in the E Street Band. And I did his, his, his uncle was Clarence Clemens. He took over when Clarence died. Yeah. But we would do a lot of kind of pre-production on, on near Asbury Park mm-hmm. and the shore. And, uh, I remember just years later even doing, you know, going, heading down there and just still places just totally, totally gone and huh. rebuilding. It's so Yeah, it's I so mean, scary. I, was, I was thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking he, something, I feel like he, had, that sax player had something to do, or his sub had something to do with the John Mayer gig or something. Uh, I don't think so. I think th- that guy Bob Reynolds plays for Mayer or did play for Mayer and he's... I'd, I've never heard Jake mention him. There's, I forget what the connection is because Andy Burton used to play organ for John Mayer, and I forget how that. Okay. I don't remember how. This is yeah. a ver- this is going very <laughs> wrong. So we're just gonna forget. We can I go. Th- we can go way out. Yeah, I I don't remember the whole story. I'm yeah. like my brain. Like you can probably see the smoke. Like my brain is trying to <laughs> trying to figure it out, but I can't remember. I can't remember what the whole what the connection is of like there was a sax player that hired him on the yeah on one gig and same thing that we always talk about one guy hired this other guy needed somebody else can you do this blah 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 he's like next thing you know I'm yeah. in Sao Paulo with John Mayer like, yeah playing totally. organ and you're, and you're like I'll tell you what, what the hell just happened I mean Jake yeah. is a great <clears throat> great example of that just you know he he grew up you know going to these E Street shows and hanging with Bruce and hanging with Clarence and then. You know, his, his story is amazing. He just, yes, he knew the material, but did he know the material yeah. when it came to, you know, he had learned this, the sax and been a sax player, but kind of been doing his own rock project and the whole mm-hmm. time. And then Clarence dying just rocked his whole world and the whole E Street world as well. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, man, he filled those shoes and he did a great job. And he's, he's, he's a very dear friend of mine. And I, I was working with him pre-Bruce and post-Bruce, and the the maturity level was oh yeah you can tell such so black and white Just yeah. the, he he went through it mm-hmm. during that period and uh, he's he's a good buddy of mine love the one, Jake the one thing that I'm that's really popping out of my head is that the fact that I think a lot of people misunderstand how a lot of these gigs happen in terms of timing in terms of like preparation in terms like a lot of times it's just like Hey, picking up the phone, like, hey, can you be in this town tomorrow? Yeah. You know, like, or you, can you play the encore tonight? Yeah. You know, it's not like, 
I mean, I for I mean, unless they're like these big tours and you know they're planned out months and months in advance. But even those tours, like I feel like those tours too, especially out here in LA. A lot yeah. of people I talk to, it, this has not been my experience, but it's just a phone call. It's like, can you be here on this date and can you commit to this tour? Yeah. And can you play this music? Mm-hmm. The answer: Can I play the music? Yes. Can I be there? Probably. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like the. Uh, I feel like that happens a lot out here. That hasn't been my experience. It's always been building a rapport right. with an artist, with a producer. Let me let me rephrase that. Yeah. Uh, what I'm what I'm saying is there's like you didn't audition for the Grace gig. You know what I mean? There's right. not like you didn't go through like this whole process of like no. you yeah. go there's 87 other drummers, you do this thing and then That's you're down, I've you done those. down. Sure, like the yeah. cattle call thing. Sure. But like by and large it's, you know. Yeah. Hey, so and so recommended you. We heard you're good. Can you be here tomorrow? Yeah. Or can you do this tour for six months? Right. We leave in a week. You know. Totally. Here's the tunes. And, and that's the word of mouth thing. If someone's totally. really putting down a heavy vouch for you, then the employer is ready to go. Yeah. Ready to just green light it. Yeah. 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 It's interesting like that. <laughs> did you? So did you always sort of plan on being a professional drummer? I did. Yeah. Or did you I like mean, work? Your, or were you? That was kind of my thing. I mean, to to be a working drummer was always my thing. I always idolized, you know, the Steve Gads and the Vinnie Caliudas who just <clears throat> were either on tour or in the studio all the time, just right. working with different guys, being, you know, a chameleon mm-hmm. and being able to do, you know, Vinnie, I feel like has got to be <laughs> I don't I don't know that he's my favorite drummer. He's certainly right up there, but I think he's got to be the greatest drummer of all time because he can do a brush gig and then the next day be doing like a death metal record. Yeah. And then, you know, he did the Zappa thing and he did the Sting thing and he, that dude. He plays everything. So that's, that's my ultimate goal is to be able to do, you know, my version of that. I don't think, right. I think he's the greatest. Right. He's got to right. be, you know, but I, I really want to be, shoot for that and then maybe when I come up short, something's there still for sure. me. You know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. So what, I mean, how do you, how do you work on that? How did you, how did you sort of hone the skill of like being this well-rounded guy that can do like, like, can you, can you do that now? Do you feel like, could I call you for a straight ahead gig and then you could do like a, in New York, I did a lot of that. It was, it was that total hustle thing. And that's why in New York, I feel like just totally kind of chewed me up and spit me out Mm -hmm. because I was doing the restaurant gig and then, you know, I'd be into rehearsals at night or, you know, in the afternoon and then maybe doing like a Brazilian gig that night or like a hip hop night the next night. Mm -hmm. And then I did this, like I did do what I would call a metal record while I was in New York with this band, this excellent band called Sun and Flesh, these Austrian dudes, cousins. uh, And, and they, I did this great record and had such a great time, but like really ended up putting in the hours for that and learning how to practice and knowing how to practice and shed for that was a big deal for me, right? You know, in terms of efficiency, because I could be working on that stuff for a year and still not be ready if I yeah. wasn't focusing in on the right stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, to a point, I was a chameleon. I, I, I don't know that I would be, you know, the guy for every gig, but right. I want to shoot for that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I know, you know, there's there's always this argument of whether you should be sort of a, a renaissance player yeah. that can play everything, or if you should just like. Be, be laser so focused and be like I'm this or or I'm that, and I yeah. think there's I think there's merits to both, um, yeah. but I, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. But I don't know how I, I just don't I know think, how you think, make it now. Like, yeah, I think I don't either. But you know, I don't. I, don't, I think pigeonhole, pigeonholing yourself 
is a bad idea because you're already going to get pigeonholed by whoever works with you. Like, mm. oh, Musty doesn't do this, Musty right. doesn't do that. So, I mean, my thought on it is to say yes and try to get it together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 figure it out. And Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think, I think saying, walking into a session and, and kind of wearing on your sleeve that here's the things that I don't do, this, 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 <laughs> yeah. this, and this, that's going to turn somebody off right away. Where right. they're probably already making judgments just based on like your gear yep. or what you're wearing to the session, you know, sure. how you come across. Uh, and I never want to have, you know, have the tables be turned that early. Mm. I, I, I certainly want to do my best and try to fit in with the music and listen. And I think, I, I think at least in theory, I do that and try to achieve that and every gigs, single day. Gigs are hard enough to come by as it is. You know, like Truly. everything that you're like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. It's like, yeah. okay, there's a whole slew of gigs yeah. I can't do. There's a whole slew of yeah. gigs. I can't. And what is it? I mean, is it, I don't know, maybe it's preference or maybe it's, It's you know. preference. I mean, ideally, you know, we all have those gigs that, ideally, I want to play in Fleetwood Mac. That's, right. that's probably my end all band, but right. I'm not Mick Fleetwood. Right. And, uh, and so I think ultimately we need to figure that out for ourselves, mm -hmm. what our own dream gig is yeah, yeah, yeah but until then i mean truly i i love being a a, a quote session musician or or a free freelancer Freelance. or a sideman type yeah that's my favorite thing to do yeah i get i've been doing more writing stuff lately uh a friend of mine greg camp uh he was in that band smash mouth oh wow <laughs> he's such a great he's such a great player and such a lovely human that he's had me in on some writing sessions recently and it's been such a, a whole other world that I really am excited to explore. But being a sideman has been such a rewarding and amazing experience. I think I'm better at interpreting an artist's uh, vision. Sure. Than I am at maybe creating at this point from mm -hmm. scratch. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So guys like Sean Hurley, Aaron Sterling, those are those are totally my idols and guys I want to I want to kind of model my career after. Support for this podcast comes from Musicians Institute in the heart of Hollywood, California. If you want to learn the music business and you want to learn performance and you want to learn how to take your career to the next level, what better place to do it than the heart of Hollywood, California? Now, the great thing is not only do they have a world-class facility, but they have a world-class faculty who are out there in the trenches actually doing it. These guys are players who have been on the road, who have recorded records, who have toured, who've done all the things that you may be looking to do. And not only that, they can offer you real world practical advice because they've been there and done that. You can learn more about Musicians Institute by going to mi.edu. So I just got a pair of the Promark fire grain sticks sent to me. And let me tell you, these things are beautiful. Not only are they beautiful, they utilize a revolutionary heat tempering process that transforms ordinary hickory drumsticks into precision tools with unprecedented durability. Keeping the original weight and balance and feel, these fire grain sticks allow drummers to hit harder, play longer naturally. There's no excess vibration, no space age gimmicks, just natural hickory hardened by flame. Unlike other drumsticks that use synthetic alternatives to transmit excessive vibrations, fire grain drumsticks retain the natural feel, weight, and balance that you would expect from regular hickory. They're also available in classic, 
forward balance, and select balance across a variety of sizes. You gotta check these out. You gotta play them and you gotta see them. They're beautiful. You can see them for yourself and find your perfect balance by going to promark.com. Now let's get back into it with Matt Musk. How do you feel about the instability of a freelancer? Do you, let me rephrase that. Yeah. The instability slash um, spontaneity of it. Because I think you constantly have to be hustling. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing that for a while. Um, so I think it's just second nature now mm-hmm. to, to, you know, you're talk- I think you're talking about like, you know, month to month, you never know where your finances are going to be. Uh, less, less financial. Uh, I wasn't necessarily thinking financial instability. Oh, okay. I mean, like, sure, the gig ties into finances, but I was thinking more like, you know that even, you get this gig with Grace, right? Yeah. In six months, maybe you don't have that gig, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to find something else, and you got to and you got to constantly bounce around. Money aside, just the fact that like you can never sort of relax, you know? And yeah. Like it's always like, all right, I gotta I gotta keep hustling. I gotta work this. Game. Like, yeah. Steve Gadd is still doing the hustle. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, not and I I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm but it's like right. It's nonstop, and some people can deal with that, and and some people, you know, yeah. can't. I'd say that I I am built to deal with that because I do quite frankly I'm much worse when I'm not busy Allison could tell you if she was here that the slow months the slow yeah. you know the, the the dry periods are torture mm-hmm. for me and not I'm and just, it's not about money it's about like your head is spinning. oh yeah your yeah. head's well I'm the same again way. back to the insecure musician thing <laughs> yeah. like man no one cares about me I gotta get out there I gotta do the thing yep and uh, yep. and then all of a sudden some whatever phone call comes in and you're like oh i'm back like i'm like i knew i was the man i'm back to being a human again (laughs) i can i can function now i'm not just gonna sit up curled on the couch all day and like shivering because i'm scared that i'm never gonna work again right but it's a definite concern especially i'm i'm new to la you never know what's gonna happen but i'm so grateful for uh grace and the whole the whole uh uh my whole kind of path to what's led me here yeah. it's been such an amazing family vibe mm-hmm. you know it's there's those are the most special times yeah ever and uh grace and eric and allison have been crucial in my life just as a human not as a drummer yeah yeah you know? yep. and that, that all plays into yeah the vibe on the road the vibe you know, i'd say on so stage all that too yeah. i'm sure sure yeah, absolutely you're not just like you're and not just some hired gun that, you know, you're like, this is family. We're, I mean, you know? I am. We're all yeah. guns yes. to a point. We're all yes. doing the sideman thing. But it's it's treated in such a way that everyone feels totally comfortable right. on stage. I mean, we've done sound checks in our underwear <laughs> just for fun, just to mess with whoever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I can't tell. I can't say enough about Grace. She's she's one of these people who's like, oh, I don't know music. I don't know notation. Uh, every every time you get off stage, it's like that guys. That was the greatest show ever. I can't believe you did that. Uh, you know, uh, Matt. I can't believe when you did this thing during the bridge of that song. And then the next day at soundtrack, she'll be like, "So let's double check the uh, the ending to this song or the intro to this." And she's got it all categorized in her head, and she's so brilliant. And she'll underplay that till the day she dies. But she right. she's got it. She's thinking during the show, and mm-hmm. she's making notes about what could be better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and that leads to every single show being better than the last. And she's a true true genius. I mean, that's what she's makes her a great. Musical 
you know, a legend, man. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the one thing that you mentioned about, you know, you sort of go through these dry months and the phone's not ringing and all that stuff. I had a, yeah. I literally had a conversation yesterday with this guy. He's like trying to make it playing. Right. Right. And he's, I don't want to say he's struggling with it. He just sort of took the leap and was like, I'm going to quit my job. I got enough money in the bank. I'm going to do, you know, yeah. I got it all. And I, I, he's like, you know, I don't feel like I'm making the progress. I said, listen, man, I said, it's a roller coaster <laughs> every day. And like, even with what I do with drummers resource, you know, like not that I base things on social media, but I run in, it's an internet thing. So I yeah. have to sort of keep an eye on that. And I'm like, man, There's it feels like some thing. days I put stuff out there and like nobody responds, nobody gives a shit, nobody cares. Your nobody, likes have gone down. Yeah, like no, yeah. nobody's responding. Thumbs up nobody, or hearts like, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, Phone hasn't rung. Yeah. I get no emails and then it's like the next day, like I get 10 emails and a phone yeah. call and then I'm like, I'm the man. Yeah. You know, you get, you get this yeah. vote of confidence but I'm like, you it's gotta so funny how, that. how fragile we are in that way. Yeah, because in, totally. Because in, in a day, the span of a day, I can go from, man, whew, I better get out there. I'm starting from zero yeah. to like, oh man, yeah, I've, I'm feeling good. I'm, mm-hmm. I've hit a stride. I'm on top of the world. <laughs> yeah. So how do you deal with the days that you feel like you're not achieving what you need to achieve or you may feel down or whatever? It's this roller coaster, right? High, low, high, low, high, low. And you have to learn how to deal with that. And some people can deal with it and some people can't. The people who can't quit or give up and, and go, you know, and pursue something else. Sure. And by the way, for, are very happy. Like, you know, your, your music does not have to be everyone's life. Like, there's so many people that, that I talk to, especially from back home, who are like, you know, oh, I'm still in town, you know, and like the things are this way or that way. And I just, you know, I gave up on this and, I, you know, I just have my life. And and it's like they're defeated and, and really, truly, I mean... If you're if you're if drumming is not your identity, then that's then what do you have? And it's like, man, you have a life. You you have man, a job that supplements your life. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's more I, about that. So there's I, a thing that I talk about all the time. Yeah. Just to go off on this a little bit, always I'm always saying that I want to change the narrative of what it means to be a successful in quotes. I'm saying yeah. in, a successful or a you know a professional drummer like i know guys who play at the highest level i mean like yeah play like super duper high level jazz guys and like during the day work for boeing you know sure and it's like that's cool it's okay that's to do totally that you don't cool. have to like if you're if you're not on the road 200 dates a year then you're like <laughs> you know you're not a real drummer. i hate yeah. that shit yeah. it bothers me and i feel like for what you're saying it bothers you too that like yeah. You're either like, are, oh, do you do it? Do you have a day gig? Yeah. Well, then you're not a professional. It's like, what? what? That's yeah. the dumbest thing I've ever heard I mean, in my you, life. You mentioned the pursuit of happiness. You're, that's ultimately what we're trying to do. You know, so, so whether it's drumming or anything have? else, that's the thing, man. You got to have, you got to figure out who you are and, and be happy and comfortable with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a struggle for all of us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I know I struggled with it for a while. Like, yeah. I was playing and touring and all that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to tour for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I felt like... And all of a sudden, that's not your identity. Man, and I so struggled scared. with that for a long time. Sure. I was like, am I giving up? Like, am yeah. I, like, what? why am I doing... Like, why am I saying I don't want to tour anymore? Yeah, like, I don't know why we do that to ourselves. I felt bad. I felt like... Because we've all, we all do were, that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. We all do that exact same thing, and it's the worst. And it's like, we if you're interested ourselves. in other stuff, then you should pursue those other things you're interested yeah. in. Like, you don't have anybody to answer yeah. to. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So the down moments, like, you know, you're on this roller coaster up and down, right? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the down moments? And how are they... Do they go really low? Like, is I it think ever they like, do. yeah, because I'm my, my hardest 
critic, right? You know, I, I, unlike Grace coming off the stage and like, oh my god, that was the most amazing show ever. And you know, you guys are so great, and like really giving it up. After that speech, I'm in my bunk going like, what what could I have done better? I, right. I I'm a big Howard Stern fan. Yeah, big, long time Howard Stern fan, and he one of his things was when he was in Detroit that he would listen to his show. Well, that he would that he would tape his show in the morning, and then in the afternoon he would go to his apartment, which had a couch, a bed, and a wall, and he would stare at the wall and listen back to what he was doing, and how could it be better? And he would spend the hours leading up till the next show figuring out how to make it better. And I don't know that I'm that extreme, right? But I do. I am critical of myself, mm-hmm. and I think we all are. And um, I certainly struggle with, you know. Oh man, like I, I, I nitpick. Yeah. My my playing and my myself. So, mm-hmm. um, maybe that's a good thing. And I think at a certain point it becomes a bad thing. And I've dealt with all of that. Right. Yeah. So like the let's say whatever you wake up tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, nobody's returning my emails. Phone's yeah. not ringing. Like for me, I go down this path sometimes where it's just like, me too. I suck, I'm a loser, whatever, you know, it's <laughs> like, I'm never, I'm never like, quote unquote, I'm never gonna make it, like, yeah. I don't, you go you go through all this other, you know, all yeah. of these things. And so I don't know, maybe you don't go, maybe you don't do it as bad as I do, but so I go into these like funks and it'll, it'll literally be like a couple hours or the, just that day or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Where I'm like, I'm unmotivated to do things. Like, you know, yeah. do you ever get into that kind of- I do. Yeah, I so do. how do you get out? What do you get tired easier? Yep. Like I, I, this thing that I've been doing since I got the Grace gig, uh, essentially, is running, exercising a lot. Mm-hmm. Because two songs in, I was cramping up. It's a hard hitting two hour rock show. Right. And like, boy, at first I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, I, yeah. I was I was ready to play the notes, I could play them on a practice pad at home, but boy, the intensity of that show got to me at first, yeah. and I started running, and that's been a really good release for some of this, this stress. It's turned into like just out of necessity, doing it for the gig, but also post-tour and during the tour even. You know, if, if I was going through something, it's good to like, your mind goes different places when you're, I feel like when you're exercising, when you're running or yeah. doing whatever you're, thing is maybe it's yoga I don't know I, I just run mm-hmm. and um, and your brain goes to some cool different places that you might not get to if you're just sitting around looking at your empty inbox or whatever yeah. it is yeah, that's, or that's like freaking you out getting online and like yeah. looking at everyone else and comparing your yeah, yeah like, totally it's horrible it's bad yeah I heard a I heard Howard Stern actually again Howard interviewing Robert Plant and he was talking about he was talking about a scathing Rolling Stone interview or a review of his, their Led Zeppelin's first album uh-huh. or second album or something. And Howard was like, did that get to you? And I feel, you know, things get to us now, especially more than ever, just because you're comparing yourself on social media or whatever it is. Yeah. But but Robert Plant had this funny thing that he said. He was like, you know, we were in his like cosmic, majestic way. Yeah. He was just like, we were just too busy watching the world change colors. <laughs> and uh, you know, and I took that as he's just—they he, were just too busy living life, being on tour, doing their thing, yeah, not really being apologetic for someone's opinion of what they were doing, mm-hmm. and they were too busy actually doing it. So I think maybe now more than ever that 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 kind of applies, you know. Instead of watching everyone else live yeah. their life, live yours. And- yeah, you're sitting at home, and all of a sudden you become brave on social media to hate on someone. You know, they're actually out there doing it. And uh, it's important, I think, to respect and shoot for that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Have you ever heard the man in the arena quote? No. no. It's essentially that it's like, you know, the the brave one isn't the person who criticizes the other person. The yeah. brave one is the person who's actually out there in the arena right. getting their ass kicked. And, totally. You know, and it's like, sure, you may have you may get beaten down and you may have battle scars and all that stuff but it's like but you're in the arena you're not sitting in the stands yeah. judging everything that's going I on I think that's a great one and I think that's important uh, just to get your get your feet wet mm-hmm. get out there and try to do it and I've maybe, taken maybe you'll from see social real quick media. Where, you're, where you're at but yeah. boy you know at least you're in the game you're doing it yeah. you're doing it like I've I've taken breaks from social media literally for like I'll do it for a week yeah. and it changes your like it oh, makes totally. you happier. I cracked my screen the other night, and I, I, I just like all of a sudden I had I couldn't use my phone for like two days. Yeah, and it was such a nice, it was such a nice way to be living for a second. And yeah. I, I've kind of since I got it repaired. because yeah. I need my phone. You of know, course. don't get me wrong. Of course. Um, uh, since I got it repaired, I've been trying to kind of go with that. You know, there's a. I don't need to take it into the bathroom. I can just do my business. Man, I take it everywhere. <laughs> and I look at it everywhere. And it's, it doesn't matter. Like, well, you just busy. got up to yeah. go to the bathroom. And I checked my phone. I don't right. need to check. It's an right. addiction. It's yeah. a total addiction. I'm okay with admitting it. So, yeah, totally. we all are. But I, I actually use an app called Freedom. And you can put whatever apps you want to block in this thing. Oh, cool. And set a timer. And you can't access it. So I'm like, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, sure. block, you know, yeah. ESPN, all this other stuff. Yeah. Put it in there. And then I just set a timer for five hours yeah. and I can't access it. Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah. and you're like, and then I end up shooting myself in the foot because I'm like, oh, I got to get on there to like, yeah. cause I need to message somebody or something, but totally. I'm like, it can wait. It can wait, it you can know? wait. I was, I was talking about, I was talking to Allison the other day about, you know, we, we met up with someone for coffee, but they had to change the uh, location last minute. I was like, what did people do before Google Maps? Yeah. You know, what do people do before texting? And yep. like, you just, I think the accountability had to be at a higher level because you told someone you're going to be somewhere at 10. Yep. You better be at that damn location at 10. Mm-hmm. Now you mm-hmm. can run late. You can move things. You yeah. Can, you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, man, sorry, I'm running. Which is great, by the way. I'm it's, sure it's, it's good. so much more practical. But. It's good. I almost sent you a snarky remark when you were like, "If you get here late, your coffee will still." First of all, I just want to put it. I just want to put it out there that we're. I was coming here and you said I'm gonna have. I'm gonna go to the coffee shop and get you a coffee and bring it back here. And I was like, "That that's amazing." To me. So thank you. No one's ever done that. So oh thank man, you. well you deserve you deserve much more than just a coffee. But, but I was gonna send you came. like some snarky remark and be like, "I'm." I'm not late. I'm yeah, you tell me I'm going to be late. I'm always on time. Yeah, which I'm never on time. That's why yeah. I'm never on time. Oh my god, there's uh, this. Uh, there's a Howard. Man, I'm talking about Howard a lot, but I'm a, I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. A huge, I like this. huge, massive fan. Um, there was this thing where I always kind of equate what he says to like he he's almost like a father figure, right? To, in a way of this, I've never met him. I don't know the guy. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, he has these life lessons that you kind of learn on the show. And one of them is really simple to, to, to some people, but it's don't show up late. Yeah. You know, don't be late. And um, one shining example of how that went uh, really wrong for one of his staffers one day was that they were running late, and it was on the day that he was announcing whether he was going to renew his contract and be on the, the air for another five years or right. not, or just retire. And he left his staff kind of confused and not sure what was going to happen that day. The day that he was going to make the announcement, this guy Sal was running late, and uh, he he made the announcement first thing. He's staying on for another five years, but then he found out that Sal was running late. So he he kind of prepped his staff and the audience for for uh, 
we're going to play a prank on Sal because he's late and right. fuck him. You of know? course. Why, why are you going to be yeah. late? Uh, and especially on such an important day or any day. Mm-hmm. Don't be late. So Sal comes in and they have, I'm, I'm putting up my air quotes right now, the, the big announcement. He announces that he's retiring. The show's over. Uh, you know, you'll never see me again. Right. Basically, Sal starts crying, and he's truly moved. Like, what am I going to do? I have kids, you know, and all this stuff. And Howard lets it go on for uncomfortably long, <laughs> like 10, 15 minutes. And Sal's just beside himself. And he goes, "Sal, were you late today?" And Sal goes, "Yeah." He's like, "Why are you late?" What are you doing? I signed for another five years. You missed the announcement because you were sleeping or doing whatever right. you were doing and just kills him. And it just made for great radio. And it was, you know, <laughs> a simple but awesome yeah. lesson. I, I struggled with being late for a long time. Yeah. And then someone said to me, when you're late, it's disrespectful and it tells the other person that your time is more important than their time. Yeah. And I was I like, with that. I don't want to be that guy, you know, like I don't want to think that I'm that my time or that I am more important than yeah. someone. So now I'm I make a very conscious effort to be on time. Like oh. I, it, it, I think it speaks volumes, too. It's like exactly. it's like gigs and all that other stuff. You know, it's like yeah. he's there on time. He's nice. He's courteous. He's easy to work with. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's like you're late. Strike one. Yeah. You and know? especially in such a saturated industry. Yep. There's a million guys who want my job and want someone else's job and like they're ready to it's expected that you're going to kill it and you're going to show up on time and you're going to be a good hang right and all these things and you know if you miss one of those that's already expected of you that you're you're only in the conversation because that's expected of you right what's the the next thing that you're going to do that's great Mm -hmm. instead of you know i i just feel very uh, that it's a truly important trait to just you know know what you're doing show up on time yep be cool. I used to be like a, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you're like, it takes 23 minutes to get there. So I'm like, that takes 20 minutes. No, no. I used to. Living in Brooklyn killed me like that because, you oh, know, well, yeah, you, yeah. You, depending on the traffic, you, yeah. if, if I was in South Brooklyn and I needed to be at a gig at the village, in the village for like, you know, eight o'clock, yes, it's 20 minutes with no traffic, but it might be an hour and 20 minutes with traffic. So yeah. you leave an hour and 20 minutes before. Yeah. And if you get there early, then you do something I else. slept a lot in my car, <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a parking spot, in a nice parking spot, and I was set my alarm and I'd be ready uh-huh. to go for the gig, but yeah, man. I think I think of a lot, a, a lot of it is more like, people aren't early because I don't think they wanna wait for other people. They don't feel like just sitting there. Yeah. You know, it's like, well then if you're late, you're gonna let the other person just sit there. So that's true. Someone's waiting either way. Don't be late. Come on, people. If you're earlier on resource time, listeners. Yeah. If you're earlier on time, if you're on time, you're late. And if you're right. late, don't bother coming. That's right. Yeah. If you're late, you're fired. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. On. So let's talk about um I know that you have you just did something with Gwen Stefani. Yeah. What's that all about? So she she did um this wonderful Christmas record. Um Eric Valentine, who I mentioned, and uh Mike Busby produced it. And um, this band, so it's a Christmas record. We did, I think we did it in April, late April, early May, which is not Christmas time. Which right. It's, it's so funny. To so we were recording a Christmas record and... It was, but yeah. it, was, it was totally like summer camp. You know, yeah. you felt like you were just, this was a getaway and mm-hmm. everyone was so cool. Amazing band. Uh, I, I did percussion. I played okay. a little bit of like double drums on it. Right. But Aaron Sterling was the I guy. I want to ask you about that too, about yeah. Grace Potter. But Oh know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Aaron Sterling was the uh, the kit guy on that record. Sean Hurley on bass. Um, 
a guy named John Story on guitar who plays for Jeff Goldblum's oh, nice. band. <laughs> he has like a jazz band that he does here in LA and it's so much fun. Um, Greg Camp, who I mentioned mm-hmm. from Smash Mouth on guitar. Uh, Patrick Warren on keys and I was shaking and rattling and playing a bit of double drums with Aaron. Nice. And it was such an amazing experience. Gwen showed up, she was amazing, she was great. Um, man, it was just an unbelievable great experience and the record sounds awesome we did it all live we did you know the whole the full band was tracking mm-hmm. live you know and and um you know if it, the guitarist needed to do a punch or something we were all doing that punch with them so the the bleeds matched up and oh cool yeah it was very old school and i think they made it it's a point to the best keep way it like to record that. it was so much fun That's yeah the best way to record as far as I, more expensive but yeah you know <laughs> but a lot better i think yeah. uh what's aaron like in the studio Oh, he's a monster, man. Yeah. He's he's not only was was he uh, the perfect player for this record, but he's um, he was especially kind to me and um, all those guys were. Mm-hmm. You know, there. I think being the new guy to that mix, they had all maybe worked together. They had some sort of rapport, but they right. they embraced me. You know, mm-hmm. country boy from New Hampshire, <laughs> <laughs> and they made me feel very very at home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aaron's from. Is he from Nashville? Yeah, he's from Nashville. He's a Nashville guy, right? Yeah, <clears throat> I, I think he's so. been out here forever. But yeah, yeah, his his uh, folks were musicians. Yeah, his dad producers. was like a good studio guy yeah. too, right? Aaron's the best man. His yeah. instincts are flawless. Like he, he you know, he it's knows amazing. what to do. There's no, yeah, there's there's no question. Se- yeah, it's amazing watching guys like that who are. You know, it, watching them from afar is one thing, but yeah. then seeing them do it in person, in their element, yeah. and like going through the process of, like, you yeah. know, watching Aaron record a record or something like that. Yeah, it's like, oh, it was. This, oh, he's really good. Yeah, you know, his time is is insane. Yeah, and, the, and you know, if he's if he's on either side of the click, it's for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And he's very obviously. I think everyone knows that Aaron's Aaron's such a monster man. He's a uh, it was really special watching him do his yeah, thing. Yeah, he's the real deal. He's like the modern yeah. day, like... And not only that, he plays... He can do anything. He, I mean, I just watched him at the Blue Whale the other day with uh, this guy, Josh Nelson, mm-hmm. um, and Jeff Babco on, like, synth stuff. And boy, Aaron can hang with any crowd, man. He's... And he doesn't he's, tour a lot, either. He's just no, like... I mean, no. he did, he was touring with Mayer. He was touring and then, with Mayer, and uh, I think he's just—I think he does the studio thing, yeah. which is really, I think, most people's dream is to be here yep. in LA full time. I think that's—I remember listening to him in an interview, and he was saying, "I forget where I was listening. Maybe I'd hit that. I think is where I heard it." But um, he said, "You know, he's like, I don't—I don't tour. I don't want to go on the road." And John, yeah. And so they recorded what the, a stud. They recorded the one record for, with John. Yeah. John had throat surgery. Oh yeah, and then recorded the next record, and so he's like, they'd been in the studio working together for now. At this point, it's been a couple of years and everything, and he's like, I yeah. I need you on the road with me. Like you know all these tunes. Yeah. Both. He's like, yeah, I don't really go on the road. <laughs> he's like, you're going. He's a job. Is like you're going on the road. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. I so bet. I think it's hard to say. And you it's know, hard that's to say John's get, man, because Aaron is such a such a great player and great hang and a great. He he was very very kind to me. He he's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Good. and and um, Hurley, Sean Hurley too. He's I've been a fan of his for a while, and he he just is the quintessential sideman type. Comes in, 
prepped, ready to go. Or if we're learning on the fly, he's he's on it. He's got the right bass. He's got the right vibe. He has yeah. zero opinion. He's just told what to do, and there's no conversation with mm-hmm. him. He's just efficient, ready to go. That's, Perfect tone. That's why you get hired. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a, uh, an amazing learning experience. Nice. With those guys. What, uh, I, this is sort of, this is definitely off topic, but it reminded me when you talked about double drums. So with, with Grace, are you always playing double drums? Or, because I've seen always. some, I've, like, I've seen videos of you guys yeah. doing some double drum stuff. Yeah, so, um, so when I came into the mix, um, and for, for all of this tour, she's, she's had some spot dates in between, like she's been off the road since last year. Uh, but she's had some spot dates in between where she just has like kind of a four-piece or five-piece band where it's just right. me on drums. But for the most part, uh, myself and a percussionist, Daiki Hirano, mm-hmm. uh, he lives in New Orleans and he's a, a great, amazing percussionist. But he also had like a um, kind of like a three-piece kit set up as part of his gigantic percussion, percussion rig yeah. with congas and timbales and shakers and tambourines, a bunch of stuff. And her her record midnight uh called for a couple drum double drum parts where it's like two different kits playing at the same time and like kind of staggered in between and Mm -hmm. it ended up being this really cool i think you know a handful of songs with this really cool like slinky uh double kit thing he had like the higher pitch tighter kit and i had the big rock kind of meat and potatoes kit. and it was really nice to kind of get into that and work it out with him because it's not easy it's not easy to play with two guys playing drums at the same time. No, and it's not exactly the uh, the Tedeschi trucks thing either. Right. It's a, it's kind of like a I, I, if if you could have like a lead drum and like a backup drum most of the time, but then it's like you're in the stereo version of two kits, and yeah. it's, it's just kind of mind blowing, and you really have to concentrate. Yeah, I'm to sure. Get, get those parts in right and accurate. You haven't bumped in the monitors and yeah, yeah. Depending on I'm the sure. song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So and do you feel great. do you feel like do you feel it confiding at all or do you find it like do you find it No, I like have, that. Yeah. I like that. I, I like kind of because Grace gives very little direction. If mm-hmm. you, if you're not doing what she wants you to do, you'll know about it. But right. but in general, she's just like, yeah, just learn the song, we'll play it. <laughs> so it was actually nice to have a bit of structure. Right. I know? like when people are like, I mean, we'll just figure it out. Man, we did this one thing. We would do this one thing every show where it was just duo, me and Grace. And it was mostly instrumental. It was her song, Nothing But The Water. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only direction she ever gave me on it was, hey, I'm just going to start it. And like, you can come in a little bit later and then we'll just feel it out. And it's a total open jam, and I have no guidelines. Eventually, you know, as as time went on, we worked it out. Right. It became a thing, more of a predictable thing. I knew where she was going to go, but it's so funny, man. She's, you're like, all right, if you're okay with it, I'm okay yeah, with it. Her guidelines are so, you know, oh, just have fun. You know, like, just do your thing. That's good. I guess it's, it's so a good, rare. Yeah. Because yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been on tours where, you know, you get off stage and you're getting screamed at because you, here's where you went wrong. Number one, number two, number three. Right. And uh, she's, she was best. such a breath of fresh air. It's not the best working environment. <laughs> no, it's You're really like, man, I gotta walk. Out. That's like James <laughs> Brown when he used to find people on stage. Yeah. You know, oh, guy, yeah. The guy with the clipboard. Oh, man. And he would just point to people and they'd be like, $10 here, $10 there. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd give my foot to be uh, in James Brown's band fired by him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll get, I'll get fired. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I had Mousy Thompson uh, on the podcast and he you know played with him. Oh, uh, yeah. Up until, up until James passed. And he was like, 
he was brutal, man. He was like, <laughs> I bet he was like, he knew what he wanted. He knew how he wanted it. And uh, there was no like, yeah. First of all, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a democracy by any means because no. it's James Brown. But no. the thing that I think that w- was amazing and Mousy said this too, that like he was not only singing and dancing and entertaining, he was conducting the band and yeah. knew what everyone was playing all the time. And he said he would just look, he would just like, it could be anything. He was like, I could hit the bell accidentally, like just the tip of the bell. And he's like, glare, like, whoa, that's, <laughs> you don't, that doesn't go there. And he said that's that intense. he, the thing, you know, it was so amazing to see him be able to do all this stuff. And he was so in tune with what everyone, like he could, he'd pick up a wrong note on the guitar, like, like in yeah. the middle of like doing a split on stage screaming what a genius you know I mean that must have been that, that kind of attention to detail must have made, made must have been what made those records as incredible as they were yep. in that show yeah 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 Man. Yep. I think people underestimate it because he you know he makes it look easy yeah he yeah. did yeah but uh oh. amazing man yeah I wish I could have played with him and got fired yeah, yeah, I, mean, I would have yeah. gotten fired. I, yeah, I would have gotten fired too. Yeah, it would have been fun to say. I would have started fired. dating his assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got to do. Yeah, that's the, that's the that's the takeaway. Of this. <laughs> that's the main. All right. So listen, if you want, you know, if you want to, that's uh, how you secure your gig. That's how you secure your gig. Date the assistant and don't mess it up. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, between me and Allison, I know Allison would have been kept on. Right. If if we if things had gone awry with us, I would have most definitely been the first one fired yeah she can always get another drummer <laughs> she can't get another allison yeah that'd be their, you know drummers are everywhere uh so what if so if people want to connect with you i know that you're you're new to the la area but uh like if people want to connect yeah. with you, do you teach do you um i haven't taught yet uh i'm i i have taught in the past yeah um i mean i you can just go to my website or hit me up on any social media uh, it's just Matt Musty everywhere. MattMusty.com. Cool. Uh, all the social media is just Matt Musty. So Dig it. That's who I am. I like it. Yep. And I want to thank you for one, for the coffee. Uh, <laughs> two, for... Was it okay? Was it, it was too delicious. hot? No, no, it was perfect. You put, I know you put ice in it when we got there. I do put ice in it. That's okay. a weird little thing that you I You want to just dive right into it. You don't want to like wait for it to cool down. That's the problem. I can't... If like if I just... I can't wait 45 minutes for my call. I'm right. A, I'm a busy man. I don't have time yeah, that's for right. minutes. That's right. You're busy. No, I just, I get it all the time. And, yeah. you know, if I don't put ice in it, then I want the coffee You don't want now. to burn your tongue. It literally takes me 45 minutes to, before I drink it. So I just put a little, put a little. So if anybody out there you. ever buys me coffee. Yeah. Which should be a trend. Anyone you interview should now buy you coffee. I like From it. here on out. I like and it. maybe a meal. Nice See, glass of wine. Are you? So if you're not playing drums and you want to <laughs> be an available? agent, yeah. If you, I'm looking for an agent. Uh, I'm here. Yeah, I'm available. So meals and coffee would be would be. Amazing. I think so. Yeah. I started a trend when I was in college. Uh, well, there was this one guy, this one kid. This is a really stupid story. I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but. <laughs> Uh, you have, you know, you have. Jordan. I told you like a million stories that I wasn't planning on telling you, so you should tell me at least one All right. doozy. So uh, there was this kid that was in a jury. Uh, you know, you have your juries in school to, you know, in oh mu- yeah, yeah, in music school. Okay, right? yeah. So the kid apparently didn't practice much, and he was kind of like a. Not- and you went to music school. I went to music school. Okay, yeah. Uh, so. He he didn't practice very much. wasn't sort of the model student by any means. Sounds like me. I was gonna say it sounds like me too. Yeah. Uh, so on the day of his jury, he brought in like donuts and coffee for all the professors <sighs> to try to like butter Apple him up polisher. a little bit. 
And I somehow heard this through the grapevine or whatever. So I showed up in my jury with coffee and donuts and all right. this stuff for all the people in the jury. And they were like, they thought it was hilarious. So I started this trend. Oh, so funny. now, so this has been going on now for like 12 years or 13 years or something like that. People are doing that. And there's school? people that are still Holy bringing God. the And they got to up the ante too. They're yeah. going to bring like sushi next time. And yeah. Like, so now oh, it's just funny. like, it's like this tradition now that all these people bring coffee and donuts. To that's absolutely all, all because of like. And should be noted. You know? Yeah. And it wasn't me. I always Actually, was, suck up to the people that are like, you it was know, the kid that started jury. it. Yeah, of course. It was the kid this, that started it. Genius. He did it as like trying to butter them up. I thought it was, I just did it as a joke. You did it ironically. I thought it, because it'd be funny, and now <laughs> yeah. like now it's just this thing, which is pretty funny. Oh, that's So funny. I heard from my professor uh, maybe like six months ago. He's like, I should have thought about he's that. He's like, do you know people school. still bring coffee and don't? I'm like, <laughs> yes, it's awesome. Incredible. So, but cool, seriously, man. thank you for, thank you for the coffee. Thank you for inviting me into your oh, house to, to chat drums and life. Thank and, you so much for coming over. Thanks for this taking the time. A, I'm a fan of your podcast. And I appreciate I'm, it. I'm glad to be a part. I hope I imparted some sort of information. I don't know what I, I said, but I think you did. I hope everyone's I okay with it. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Thanks, cool. man. Thank you. So there you have it, the one and only Matt Musty. I hope you dug that. I hope you got some great nuggets out of there. Also, if you want to get an email from me every Monday and every Friday, head over to Drummer's Resource and sign up for the mailing list. Every Monday is an email I call Nick's Monday Mix. So I send out the latest podcast that's released that day, but I also send out some interesting links, some things that I'm digging, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to. I'm adding things to my Spotify playlist all the time, and I'm sharing that with all of you, just things that I think that you'll be into. And on Friday, I send out an email called That's a Wrap, and that'll let you know all the content that was released that week. And so you don't miss any of it, but then also what's coming up in the following week. So just do that by just go to drummersresource.com, sign up for the mailing list. You'll also get a copy of my ebook. It's Stick Control Variations, 11 Creative Exercises to Help You Improve Your Speed, Your Independence, Your Chops, Your Musicality, all of that stuff. It's all 100% free, of course. Check it out, drummersresource.com. And if you haven't already, please leave a rating or a review. I appreciate it. It helps the podcast show up higher in the search results all that fun stuff and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening i'll be talking to you soon peace